The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Sports Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericasports.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the hosts or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. You know the show, you listen to Rail Sports on the Voice America Network. I'm in Phoenix, living like it matters, and well, what matters to me? Uh, I, I would say what matters to me is that we finally know who's going to be playing in the Super Bowl. Uh, uh, well, that's not the only thing that matters to me, but let's stick with that. Let's stick with that. And uh, after months of months of, of preparation and anticipation and expectations and all that other stuff, Haitian stuff. We finally know what, you know, who put the work in. And we know what it's all about. We know who's going to be there, and it's going to be the 50th Super Bowl. And that, of course, will be with the, the Panthers, and uh, they're going to play against the Broncos. Can't believe I'm saying that, but uh, I am saying that. Those of you out there who know me, those of you who know me know, of course, I, I got a phobia about the Denver Broncos. Um, I have a uh, wedding band that my lovely wife gave me uh, 30-something, 32 years ago. And uh, don't have a ring no place else on my fingers because of the damn Denver Broncos. I said it. That's right. Them damn Denver Broncos <laughs> prevented me from getting a, a Super Bowl ring. And uh, But, hey, what can you say? Great football for three teams, and uh, one team just forgot to show up. But uh, I'm going to have a lot of fun uh, with this show, and uh, I apologize to a lot of you out there who, who are loyal listeners. Uh, I was a little bit under the weather uh, for the past few weeks, so I haven't been in the studios. You've been listening to replays, but I appreciate your support and, uh, and being here with me. Uh, with that being said, uh, Chef Julian, of course, has been waiting and anticipating to have a conversation and, and talk with me and, and have all you guys hear and listen to what he has to say. Uh, Chef Julian, uh, that damn Denver Bronco team is going to be playing in another Super Bowl. And, and we from the, uh, the state of the, where it's the, the heart of it all has to uh, painstakingly watch them again go into another Super Bowl. But... Uh, they didn't get there the easy way. They earned it, and and I gotta say honestly, you know, I, I'm happy for Peyton. I hope he, I hope he win or loses, uh, I hope he decides to to hang it up for health reasons. Uh, I guess there's a little soundbite out there where he told Belichick he, in fact, he might be considering that. Um, but uh, what did you think about the game, Chef? Well, I thought it was um, obviously it had to be. Of course, it was the. Uh, most competitive game that week uh, between football teams. Uh, it was. It, it just seemed like that for the first time in a long time, Peyton Manning had a defense with him that was able to match and best 
uh, Tom Brady. And he has not been able to say that he has had that ever <laughs> while facing uh, facing Tom Brady in any games that he's ever had. Uh, and it just seemed like they just Brady could not get anything done. I mean, he was their leading rusher at the end of the game with 13 yards. I mean, it's just... It's just ridiculous the type of shutdown defense that the Denver Broncos have. It's kind of scary. Yeah, you know, uh, I, I'm just going to correct you maybe a little bit on this, you know, and, and say that the defense has been adequate enough that indeed uh, Peyton has beaten Tom, I think, almost now twice as many times. I think they may have played in four games and uh, Peyton won maybe three of one. Uh, you know, there's a three to one record he has against uh, Tom. Uh, somewhere in that line, I might not be exactly right, but 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 Payne has won those head-to-head matchups in those uh, championship games. Uh, Payne has won those games. So, uh, the but the the Broncos defense, you're right, that defense showed up. Now, here's the only thing about it: in some cases, what happens is that teams uh, end up playing their best game, you know, in the playoffs in that championship game. And, and the way they play to get there when they get to the Super Bowl. So, so in other words, you know, what happened to, let's say, the Arizona Cardinals? That was the Denver Broncos a couple Super Bowls ago when they went to New York and, and forgot to show up and play. This defense that we saw of the Denver Broncos in this AFC Championship game, I hope that's the defense that shows up to play against Cam and the boys because that's the only defense that's going to stand to give them a chance because if any other defense shows up, Cam is going to pick them apart. And, and so, I, you know, so that defense, yeah, and, and, and Tom Jackson, those guys, because they had great defenses back in the day. But, but you're right. I don't think Denver has had a defense show up like this defense showed up this year in a many years. As a matter of fact, I, I think this could be one of their best ever so uh, so let's say going into the game, Chef, because we did not get a chance to discuss it. And I'm going to ask you to be honest about this. What did you anticipate? What did you think the outcome was? Because uh, there's a couple other fellas out there in the Hall of Fame city that I talked to. And I, I, I was writing both of them. I picked both of the teams. So who did you have going into that game? Well, I had Denver going on to uh, defeating the Patriots, mostly because of that defense. Uh, I didn't think they would show up as quite as good as they did. I thought it would be a competitive back and forth. Tom Brady scores and Manning scores. I didn't think it would be a low scoring game like it was. I mean, it wasn't that low scoring, but I was thinking it would be in the thirties at least. But um, it was uh, very good defensive playing back and forth, and uh, Peyton Manning really surprised me with his passing performances too. Uh, I thought that his injuries would kind of flare up in the game and he just was able to play like it, he didn't it didn't the injuries didn't phase him well you know it's interesting you say that because that that would be the only reason why I would not think that Denver would put 30 points on the board is because I didn't think they could get you know as much as 30 points on the board with a running game because I felt as if that they were going to win the game it had to be a combination but they were going to have to establish the run and make sure that they were taking time off the clock. They were eating up some clock as they scored. But I certainly didn't think they would need 30-some points to, to win the game because, again, you know, we never know what the elements, you know, and that altitude is sometimes, even though it's the Denver Broncos and they're at home and they're used to it, uh, you are playing against the New England Patriots. But, but I will say this. Um, what I saw out of Tom 
uh, Brady. Uh, well, no, let me, let me let me stay on Peyton Manning. What I saw out of Peyton Manning, I was thoroughly impressed because, and I've said this, Peyton Manning has never had a rifle. Peyton Manning, ha- ha- Peyton Manning has been, his, his throwing ability, he is a, a, a great passer. He, he knows how to put the ball in the right place. He knows how to anticipate where his receiver will be and, and, and gets the ball there on time. But I saw Peyton Manning on a couple plays. It's like he said, to hell with it. This may be the last game I ever play in, and I'm going to throw this ball as hard as I can. I mean, I, I actually thought that Peyton put a little extra oomph into some of the passes that he was delivering, and, and they were right on the money. So I'm going to say that Peyton Manning's arm to me in this game, a couple throws look as strong as it's ever looked you know, in his entire career. Peyton's never been known to have a, a, a strong arm, but he certainly is, is, is a, a person that you could count on, uh, that he is an accurate thrower, and I think he demonstrated that. Oh, most definitely. Uh, he, just, he just showed, like, that he was the Peyton of old, not the, the Peyton of new. He kind of showed that uh, he was under center a lot more than he was ever under center this season. Uh, and he just made it seem that he had everything under control and that he was not out of control like most postseason uh, Peyton Manning games. And uh, it was just an all-around great performance by him. Chef Julian, I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm going to elaborate on a point you just made that was an excellent point. And that was that he was under center more than he had ever been all year long. What's so important about him being under center is that is exactly what made the passing game more effective because he was able then to, you know, do the play action where he's actually faking a run and then passing the ball. That's an excellent point. In fact, I'm going to give you credit. I didn't hear very many people talk about that, but that's exactly what, because everybody knew in order for them to win that it was going to be the running game, and, and the running game was efficient. It was enough to help them win the game. If they didn't run the ball the way they did, regardless of how many yards they got, if they didn't run the ball when they did and how they did, I don't think they would win the football game. And that play-action pass is what happened. If you got him back there in shotgun, you know, it's one of those things. When a quarterback is lined up in shotgun, the defensive linemen and the linebackers are rushing the quarterback, and they'll get the runner on their way to the quarterback so, you know, their ears are pinned back. They're going full speed when he's back there in shotgun. But I certainly uh, will uh, commend you for making that, that excellent point there. And I think that's what's going to happen. in the Super- That's the only way he's going to win in the Super Bowl is he's going to have to get up under center and uh, he's going to have to be able to effectively, uh, you know, go ahead and, and, and try to convince those folks on the other side of the ball that they're running just about every down. Every down. When he goes back to pass, it's going to be play action. He's going to be faking that, you know, that run. But uh, that, that, that's a good point. So on the other side of the ball, let's talk a little bit about Tom Brady. And, uh, you know, what's really interesting is that I think, you know, and they've said this on the Big Boy Show. You know, Tom Brady, first of all, Tom Brady can't beat Peyton Manning uh, or he can't beat Denver in Denver. You know, he's just not been successful in Denver, and everybody talks about the crowd noise and the big boy show. Of course, I'm, I'm gonna say Skip, you know, says that he's still blaming Belichick because of a couple things 
coaching decisions that he made in previous games that cost them home field advantage, which then put them in a position where they had to go to a hostile environment. So therefore, the play calling and 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 the um, opportunity for him then to audible was eliminated uh, because of the fact they were on the road and the Denver. Uh, I mean, the Denver fans weren't going to let him do that. I'm not going to give, you know, Tom Brady a pass on that, you know, because other people were able to do it all. The time. And to be honest, you know, myself played in these kind of stadiums, this big communication, you know, you you had hand signals. Believe it or not, you can read lips from across the field. <laughs> so I'm not going to give him that. Are you are you going to take the side of Skip and say that, Bill Belichick having his team play on the road because of some coaching decisions that he made a couple games ago uh, really is at fault. Uh, I want to say they said he was at fault for them losing that game. Would you want to put that on Bill Belichick and the fact that they had to play on the road instead of home is the reason why they lost? Um, I just got one quick question. How many rings does Tom Brady have? Four? I'm I'm sorry. I'm not gonna I'm not gonna give I'm not gonna let any quarterback who has four rings have it let I'm not gonna let him by with any excuse on why he lost the big game. I mean, you lost the big game because you didn't perform well. I mean, there's that's obvious. I'm, you're not gonna blame. You're not gonna say communication was the fault, at fault here. It was bad play calling. It, you lost the game. You lost the game with your performance. It was a poor performance on your part. That your the communication doesn't excuse the three interceptions. All right, communication doesn't excuse the fact that you were hit almost twenty four times in uh, uh, in in the game. I mean, those those excuses aren't going to work for me. Uh, it's you have way too you have way had you've had so much success. I'm not going to let you uh, like lose and then say, "Oh, this is the reason why we lost." No, you're not going to get a pass, and that's 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 just flat out my my explanation on this. Uh, he he didn't perform well. I mean, it was a bad game from his part. I mean, he got some. He he was able to make some plays, but when they mattered, he couldn't make them. And I, that's not uh, Tom Brady esque, but it happens. Well, you know, that's interesting you say that because going into the week, you know, the conversation was, you know, the New England Patriots. Are they are they great, this dynasty? Is this dynasty great because of Bill Belichick's coaching or Tom Brady's playing? And I would actually say that it's a combination. I, I, you know, I used to tease a guy here in the studios, you know, sometimes when he'd talk about coaches and I just, you know, just give him a bunch of shit just to give it to him. We can say it. We're on the Internet. And so uh, simply because the reason is that you got to have it all. You, you, a great player can only be a great player with a great coach. He can only win championships. A great player can only win championships with a great coach. If you think I'm lying, ask LeBron James. But let me just say this. I would say this. Now, again, they have to be on the same page, too. And the coach has to have a good day, and the player being the quarterback has to have a good day on the same day, all all the time, in order for things to work out. The coach can't call great plays if the quarterback can't go out there and execute. The quarterback can't execute a, a great play if the coach is calling the wrong play at the wrong time. So that that's a combination. So I, I would really say, as I watch this game, um, 
I'm not so sure that this wasn't an example of, you know, Tom didn't have the best day. But I'm not going to say that Coach Belichick, you know, that Bill had a bad day coaching because I don't, you know, you know, they were they were playing catch up. And because the guy missed a field goal. And again, I'm, I'm not going to give a field goal kicker pass. I don't care if he's never missed an extra point before. He shouldn't miss an extra point. Why are people so, you know, seem to be somewhat surprised that somebody hasn't missed an extra point? You shouldn't miss an extra point. Not if you're a professional football player and you're a kicker and this is your only job and the extra points have been kicked prior to this year from maybe like the 10 yard line really so again um i don't but let me say this about coach belichick and again his calling of the game managing of the game because i feel coaches manage the game not players i don't want to hear a quarterback manage no a quarterback has to actually execute he ain't out there managing when you manage you tell everybody what to do and you just watch them no, he's got to do something. So he's participate, participating in the execution of the play. But I just think that offensive line, this is why it's good to have, and we'll talk about it on, later in the show, it's good to have a quarterback with some agility and mobility because you can extend the play. When you got a quarterback who doesn't have a lot of that, and he's got some things in his package, there's times when he can be exposed. I'm going to go back, and I'm going to give a little bit of credit I remember when Ohio State played the Fiesta Bowl out here, uh, and it might have been a national championship game, but it certainly was a Fiesta Bowl against Florida. And Troy Smith, uh, I hate to say it, but when the defensive ends and the linebackers were coming in from Florida, one of the things they did is they, they contained him to the point where the defensive linemen did not allow him to get outside. They had enough speed that he couldn't escape them on the outside. Well, when you got guys that are coming up like you saw Denver rushing Tom Brady and Tom Brady has no mobility and agility, then he's stuck. It's, it's, that's it. He has to stay in that pocket and throw the ball. He's not going to improvise and get out the pocket and create and extend the play where guys can now, you know, he can throw a guy open. And because of that, the plays that Coach Belichick were calling, Tom Brady was really at the mercy you know, of a defensive lineman maybe falling down or, or, or just, you know, maybe there was a good block. But I think the offensive line for the New England Patriots, you know, Tom was compromised in this game. And I do think if he'd had the kind of time that Peyton had, it might have been a different game. But I'm curious as to hear what you think about Tom Brady's, you know, passing, particularly under the type of duress he was under all day long. Uh, it created it, it actually the pressure that he was under. It created a lot of a lot of problems for him. I mean, it it was the reason for two of his three or four. I'm I'm not sure uh, of his interceptions. And uh, it's it was just he was pressured all day. He had at least one guy from Denver in his face almost on every throw. Uh, they practically made the the field his bed. I mean, they laid him out on almost any chance they got an open hit on him, and it was just—it was just a absolute just beating that he was taking, and uh, it was just the, the fact that he just could not find any way of getting the stopping them from getting to him, whether it was the linemen or whether it was uh, the shift in the line and the way they need to. Uh, the, which way they need to sway in this way. 
it was just ridiculous. And it just shows you the type of defense that this Denver team has. It's quite scary, which is another reason, which is a big key in this this year, this Super Bowl that's coming up. Uh, DeMarcus Ware and Von Miller versus Cam Newton. Can they contain him? Like you said, the Florida Gators contain Troy Smith. Can they contain him the way that the Florida Gators contain Troy Smith? Uh, and, I, and I think, you know, I think what will be make it interesting is there's an attribute that Cam has that, that Tom doesn't have and that Peyton doesn't have, and, and that's the ability to, to scramble in the pocket, to extend the play. Uh, to, you know, they can throw on the run, but they don't throw on the run much because they don't run much. Uh, but I think that it'll be a little different because even if that same pressure is put on, Scam, Cam has the ability to escape. So what they may do is they may have a spy. That they, if they're going to bring that, they may have a spy. But when you bring a spy, then that means you're compromising yourself in your past coverage. You know, you're going to be one man short back there. So it's going to be interesting because we're going to have Buckeyes on Buckeyes. You know, secondary, there's a guy on the other side of the, the Denver secondary, of course, from the Ohio State University. And, and, and Ted Ginn and, and Philly Brown, of course, from the Ohio State University on the offensive side of the ball. The Cam will be throwing the ball, too. Uh, but that's going to be something that's going to be very, very interesting. And uh, that's going to be something that we're, we're going to talk about uh, after this break. We're, we're going to take a break, Chef Julian. And, and we're going to come back and talk a little bit about, you know, Cam's performance and, and the lack of performance by the Arizona Cardinals. Because I was surprised by the fact that the Arizona Cardinals did not compete in, in a game that for some people... Uh, it's the biggest game of their life. Some others have already been to the Super Bowl, i.e. Uh, Larry Fitzgerald. But uh, certainly uh, it was written and quoted uh, by uh, Carson Palmer that, you know, this game, you know, he, he will remember it and it'll haunt him for the rest of his life. And, and I can say uh, from somebody who's been there and done that, uh, that you're right, he's right. So when you don't win this game, you know, going to the Super Bowl is the ultimate. Winning is the ultimate. Getting there is, you know, that's the goal. Uh, you know, and, you know, because you just want to get there. Because the only way you can win is if you get there. Uh, then when you get there, you want to play the best you can. And you hope and pray that you that you win. But this game, I think the NFC and the AFC Championship games are, are really the games that are the most, you know, the desired of all games. Uh, that people want to play in because then you, you, you'll be in that Super Bowl. If you get there and you win this, then you're, you're, you at least get to be a part of this great thing and this great game called the Super Bowl. And this, of course, is the 50th. But what we're going to do, we're going to take a break. We're going to jump on the other side of the fence, talk about the NFC Championship game. Uh, you listen to Ray Ellis Sports on the Voice of America Network. I got Chef Julian with me uh, from the Hall of Fame City. We're going to take this break, and after this break, we'll be right back. Your internet flagship station for sports, Voice America Sports. 
So Andy Serling packed his bags, left the city, and is enjoying his temporary digs in Saratoga. But that won't stop us from bringing you Playing to Win, the best online handicapping show for serious horse players. Catch Andy and his great lineup of guests every week throughout the month of August on location from the beautiful Saratoga Racecourse. He and his guests are some of the best in the biz. They bring you new insights to making money, and they tell it like it is. I'm 3-5-1 in this race, but the 3 is very much the one to be. We're going to completely disagree on this race. I absolutely despise her, especially at 1-2. And it's anything but the same old horse racing show. This is a 9-horse field, but really there are 7 donkeys and 2 zebras. Playing to Win with Andy Serling, a show seriously committed to making more money at the game, but with a personality. This is a dunce cap horse for me. If this horse wins, next week I got the dunce cap on. YouBet.com's Playing to Win, presented by the Daily Racing Forum. Look for it the day before big race days, mostly Fridays. Find a complete schedule in the Daily Racing Forum or click on Playing to Win at YouBet.com. Sports and medicine go hand in hand. Quite simply, if you aren't up to your game health-wise, you won't be up to your game on the field. That's where Bruce the Sports Doc comes in. Dr. Bruce Grossinger uses his medical training and experience to bring you a link between sports and medicine, from the latest advances and treatments to discussion behind the injuries of the week. Bruce the Sports Doc and his team of guest experts are here each week to lay it on the line in terms that you can understand. Tune in every Tuesday at 5 p.m. Eastern, 2 p.m. Pacific on the Voice America Sports Channel. We're making it easier to listen to the Voice America Talk Radio Network live wherever you go on iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android. Download it from the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market. Your internet flagship station for sports. Voice America Sports. You know the show, you're listening to Rail of Sports on the Voice of America Network. I'm in Phoenix, living like it matters. What matters to me, of course, after all this time, all this expectation, anticipation, dedication by the players, we now know that somebody's on vacation and somebody's going to the Super Bowl. That would be the, the Panthers, of course, and of course, on the other side of the ball, they will be facing. Oh, man, those Denver Broncos, those damn Denver Broncos. But uh, happy for these two teams. Uh, actually, I, you know, uh, uh, T.J. Ward, happy for T.J. Ward. You know, T.J. Ward, his father and I, Terrell Ward, uh, played ball together in Philadelphia uh, my rookie year. So shout out to T.J. Uh, you know, just happy for, of course, the Buckeyes. You know, they're gonna be, uh, there'll be four of them playing in the game. Just so happy for those guys. Uh, you know, and I'm, I'm, you know, actually, I'm, I'm happy for John Elway. I, I'm, I'm just going to say this. I'm happy for John Elway. Uh, John, of course, is somebody that I compete against in two AFC Championship games. He's uh, obviously a player from from my generation uh, that has been successful, you know, in his career after playing, you know, and to, you know, to be the GM over there and to put together a team and and go forward. And Chef Julian, I'm going to tie this into you and I. Uh, you know, of course, being there from the Hall of Fame city like you are. You know, John Elway, uh, John Elway had uh, had a chance there uh, and he bought in, you know, uh, the guy that he beat, <laughs> you know, uh, you know, who happened to be, you know, Tom Brady's right hand man. And that was Josh McDaniels. Josh was John Elway's head coach. 
and and they got rid of him. And 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 then and then another thing that he did is that you know John Elway was responsible also for bringing in uh, Peyton Manning. So you know he has orchestrated a few moves that has gotten his team twice. You know in the Super Bowl. You know they were there. You know a couple years ago. You know and now they're back. Uh, so we would have to give John Elway a little bit of credit. You know you got some other GM. I'm sure we would like to have that type of knowledge. And 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 uh, you know and and skill set up there making decisions for us at, at the Cleveland Browns Stadium in front offices, uh, but but I'm going to commend John because he's put the right pieces to the puzzle in place to keep his team competitive, uh, to get them to the big dance, and now maybe it could happen that you know he could walk out with one, uh, but I'm not sure that's going to happen. So let, let's start talking now about this NFC. Uh, championship game and going in again like I told you I picked them right both times although I'm not a betting man I certainly you know have a responsibility to make sure that um, I share you know the knowledge I have of sports here on this show uh, so I, I, I chose the Carolina Panthers going in and uh, I thought it would be a good game uh, but to be quite honest I thought there were some big play players that the Carolina Panthers had Cam Newton and again, Ted Ginn Jr., I'm sorry, he can just take the top off of any secondary in, this, in, in the league. And, um, you know, and, and I love their defense. So going in, what did you think about it? I certainly thought Larry Fitzgerald, um, you know, they could manage him. I didn't think they could shut him down like he did. But I thought they could control him and they could get to Carson Palmer. But, but what were you thinking going into that game? Uh-oh, Chef Julian. Okay, seems like we may have a little bit of technical difficulty. Okay, we had a little technical difficulty. You know that happens. That's one thing about it. This is live here, uh, and that happens. So I'm, I'm sure that uh, Chef will call back. I'm also anticipating that uh, Guy Troop may call in. Uh, okay, Chef Julian, are you here, or is, uh, or is Guy Troop with us. That's okay. When they do come, I'm sure I'll, I'll be alerted here, so we'll know. But, okay, Chef Julian. Yes, sir. Okay. Um, I don't know how much of my um, uh, my conversation you heard that I was having with you. I may have, uh, you may have been lost. And I, I, I heard it all. I heard it all until the question, I'm sorry, the call dropped as soon as I went to answer the question. <laughs> okay. Um, I'm sorry about that, but uh, I, I was expecting a much more competitive game from the uh, Arizona Cardinals. It just, it shocked me the way that this game went. I mean, it just went like, it It seemed like nothing could go Arizona's way the entire game. And it just seemed like everything went Carolina's way. I mean, Carson Palmer having six turnovers in the game, something I did not expect. Uh, throwing three interceptions before halftime is also something I didn't expect from him. Uh, Larry Fitzgerald being held to two catches for 10 yards in the first half is another thing I didn't expect, even though he was held to one catch for six yards in the game before against Green Bay. But um, this was just absolutely just a bad game all around from Arizona, from the defense giving up almost 50 points to the offense not being able to put up uh, 20, not being able to put up at least 17 points. And then even the special teams had problems. I mean, Patrick Peterson fumbling a punt return, you don't even see that. 
I, I haven't seen that in a, a good while. Uh, so it was just really an all-around terrible performance from the Arizona Cardinals. Yeah, and I agree with you. You know, Patrick Peterson, you know, dropping a ball, Larry Fitzgerald dropping two passes. Uh, but, you know, one thing I liked about Patrick Peterson, he pounded his chest. He said, that's on me. I'm going to get that back. Got the interception, ran it back, put him in scoring position, although we know what happened then. But, you know, it's almost like earlier this week, too, you heard somebody say that, that, that the uh, Cavaliers, somebody took their mojo, they didn't have their mojo, you know, the, you know, their swag was taken from them, they didn't have any, any more swag. You know, the Arizona Cardinals, I, you know, they, they lost it. Chef Julian, if you recall, it may have been before halftime. And a couple of players were on the sideline. The players and the coaches were at each other's throat. You you can't do that in that type of environment. You know, it's one of those things where is if if you can keep your head when all about are losing theirs and blaming it on you. That's what you have to do. You you have to make sure that there is no doubt in your mind. That regardless of where this thing goes, guys, we can come back. I, you know, I'm one of those times, I'm one of those kind of guys that's like this. The first half is just that. It's half of the game. You have to play 60 minutes. So I don't care what the score is at halftime. The bottom line is you still got half of the game to do whatever you need to do in order to get you in a position to win the game. So in other words, I don't care if somebody scores 31 points and it's 31 nothing at halftime like it was when they played when Carolina played last week. The Arizona Cardinals should have thought about that. If it's 31 nothing, that's okay. That means if they score 31 points in a half, we can score 31 to tie it or 32 to win it. And I think they just lost their composure. It's like they took their mojo from them and they lost their confidence. It's like they had no ability to believe in one another or lost the ability to believe in one another. That, man, we can come back. They lost their composure and it showed. And the coaches, I thought, also, you know, lost their uh, a belief in the team that they could come back. Because it should not have surprised them that Carolina jumped out on top of them. And I know you were surprised, but, Shep, it shouldn't have surprised you because that's kind of what they've been doing. They've been jumping out and ahead of teams and making everybody play catch-up. And as everybody knows in this game, that what you always talk about is like in basketball, you know, basketball, somebody can go up on you. Ten, Ten-point lead is nothing in basketball anymore. Fifteen-point lead is nothing in basketball anymore. You know, that's just five three-point shots. And you you, you, that, you took care of 15 points. Just hold them, get get a few stops, hit, hit, knock down a couple threes, and you're back in the game. So I just thought that the Arizona Cardinals, they just felt as if, man, if we get behind, we cannot come back. And that's the way they played. They just lost their composure. And uh, they got, you know, they shouldn't have been sucker punched, but they got sucker punched. And and that was that that was just it. Now, um, the Carolina Panthers, you got to give them credit. I mean, they did what they should have done, and they played in a way of which they weren't surprised at the way they play because that's how they prepare. And so um, I'm looking forward to to a great game, but um, I wasn't so surprised. Uh, let me ask you if there was anything other than the fact that. The Arizona Cardinals just appeared 
I, I mean, did, did you really think that they were playing like, hey, man, this is the biggest game of my life? That, that's the question I really want to ask. Did you see that? And we got about a minute before we go to break. Did you see that in them, that they were playing like, this is the biggest game of our entire lives, guys? Let's go out here and perform. Did you see any of that, even at the start of the game from the Arizona Cardinals? To be honest, no. I, I mean, they they kind of looked laid back, and they kind of looked like they were still feel, like in a feeling out process. And then Carolina, Carolina isn't like that. They're like they have they attack, they attack first, and then they try to feel out the process later. So by the time that uh, they got done feeling feeling out uh, how this defense is going to work and how this offense is going to work, hey, they're down by seventeen. So then they had to just turn into a panic mode. It basically looked like they went into panic mode. They started, Carson Palmer just started chucking up uh, deep balls, hoping uh, one of those players would come down with it. Uh, they had a slight, some runs that went their way, but most mostly they were just stuffed. And it just seemed like this, the team panicked after a while. I agree with you. Hey, Chef, we're going to have to take a break. Uh, this is going to be our last break. It was the Rail of Sports on the Voice America Network. I'm in Phoenix, living like it matters. I'll be back with Chef Julian after this break. Your internet flagship station for sports, Voice America Sports. So Andy Serling packed his bags, left the city, and is enjoying his temporary digs in Saratoga. But that won't stop us from bringing you Playing to Win, the best online handicapping show for serious horse players. Catch Andy and his great lineup of guests every week throughout the month of August on location from the beautiful Saratoga Racecourse. He and his guests are some of the best in the biz. They bring you new insights to making money, and they tell it like it is. I'm 3-5-1 in this race, but the three is very much the one to be. We're going to completely disagree on this race. I absolutely disagree. Spicer, especially at one to two. And it's anything but the same old horse racing show. This is a nine horse field, but really there are seven donkeys and two zebras. Playing to win with Andy Serling, a show seriously committed to making more money at the game, but with a personality. This is a dunce cap horse for me. If this horse wins, next week I got the dunce cap on. YouBet.com's Playing to Win, presented by the Daily Racing Forum. Look for it the day before big race days, mostly Fridays. Find a complete schedule in the Daily Racing Forum or click on Playing to Win at YouBet.com. Sports and medicine go hand in hand. Quite simply, if you aren't up to your game health-wise, you won't be up to your game on the field. That's where Bruce the Sports Doc comes in. Dr. Bruce Grossinger uses his medical training and experience to bring you a link between sports and medicine. From the latest advances and treatments to discussion behind the injuries of the week, Bruce the Sports Doc and his team of guest experts are here each week to lay it on the line in terms that you can understand. Tune in every Tuesday at 5 p.m. Eastern, 2 p.m. Pacific on the Voice America Sports Channel. Your internet flagship station for sports. Voice America Sports. You hear the music, you know the show. Mr. Rail of Sports on the Voice America Network. I'm in Phoenix, living like it matters. Dedication, motivation, anticipation, expectation, all that is over with. Now we know who to expect. 
to be playing in the Super Bowl. Them damn Denver Broncos is going to be playing against Cam Newton and the Carolina Panthers. And congratulations to both those teams. Uh, you know, they will have stories uh, that they can tell for the rest of their life about this one particular year of their life and how hard they worked. And uh, it paid off. You know, there, there's going to be some very inspiring stories that I'm sure that uh, the media will be able to dig and to reveal. Uh, but this is going to be a special Super Bowl. As you know, it's kind of like out with the old and in with the new. Uh, but how does Peyton Manning exit this stage? Does he go out as a winner or does he give up the best performance he's ever given us in a Super Bowl? Everybody says that Peyton is the best regular season quarterback that there was. Uh, but this one, uh, you know, I just think Peyton is the kind of guy. And I'm not going to say who I'm rooting for, but I think Peyton is the kind of guy that he would like to at least if he goes out and say, okay, I don't have to be, you know, I don't want to show my little brother up, but I sure as hell don't want my little brother to show me up. So he needs to at least have as many rings as Eli has, uh, at least when he leaves the game, when he retires from the game. And on the other side of the ball, uh, of course, Cam Newton, there's so many haters out there, so many things Negative things that were said about nobody. If you go back to when he first came into the league and you just remember the things that were said then. And here he is now. I think, what is that? Chef Julian started at the bottom and now, you you know. But anyway, go ahead. What's your opinion, Chef Julian? These two quarterbacks coming into this game and, and these two teams going into this game. Go ahead and give us your opinion. Well, to be honest, with the criticism uh, for Cam Newton, I just think it's because the league is afraid of mobile quarterbacks. I mean, I think they feel like a, a quarterback who has uh, foot, really good footwork and can scramble and has the speed and agility to match with some of their running backs and wide receivers, I think they feel like that's something that shouldn't be a quarterback. I think they think a quarterback should just stay in the pocket throw the ball, have a powerful, huge arm, which I think most of these mobile quarterbacks usually have. You, have, you know, you got Colin Kaepernick, Russell, uh, Russell Wilson, Cam Newton, Johnny Manziel. They, they are great at deep, the deep throws. They're very accurate. Uh, did you say but, Johnny um, Manziel? Oh, I, need, I had to stop you right there. I know you didn't throw Johnny Manziel in that, in that same conversation with those other guys. <laughs> There's no way in the world I could let you get away with that one. But go right ahead, Chef Julian. Go right ahead. I mean, I mean, he he was he was that's one of his big uh, qualities that he had when he came into the draft is that he was very accurate down the field, I, um, just like RG three. I, I mean, will agree with you, but you said you said uh, Russell Wilson, Kaepernick, uh, Cam Newton. Uh, I believe all three of those quarterbacks you just mentioned has been to the Super Bowl. Uh, Johnny Manziel has not even been to Super Sunday, Super Monday, whatever. He's been super nothing. So I can't. we're not going to put him in that conversation. So right, not at this moment right now. I'm not going to let you get away with that. But continue with your comments, please. Okay, okay. But, um, yeah, they, they see mobile quarterbacks like that, and they, they label them as too small. They told Russell Wilson he was too small to be an uh, NFL quarterback. They told Colin Kaepernick that, he was. He should probably move to running back. They told Cam. They said Cam Newton should probably be a wide receiver. They. They. This league doesn't enjoy having mobile quarterbacks. They think they're injury prone. They think they're. They get themselves into trouble by uh, maneuvering out of the pocket. 
And I'm thinking, hey, some of the best some of the best throws in NFL history is because they were able to move out of the pocket. You got John Joe Montana's throw to Clark in the end zone, that famous catch by number 87. Uh, you got uh, the throw that Aaron Rodgers just made. That hail Mary's throw for the uh, for the touchdown was a great throw, and it was because he was able to move out of the pocket and find his guy. But um, that's just that's just something that I just wanted to point out. Like this, this league is so afraid of mobile quarterbacks. It's just it's ridiculous. Um, as far as this matchup go- goes, I think it's going to be an amazing game. You know, it's not. I mean, I don't know if there's going to be a lot of points put up on the board, but it's going to be a very entertaining game. Definitely, you got one of the most explosive offenses in Carolina versus the best defense. Uh, in Denver, and that's to be honest. I want to throw out another statistic: the first time that Denver's ever had the number one defense in the league, and it's happened with Peyton Manning as their quarterback. I mean, who? What better way to have it? Well, I, I'll tell you what. I, I just want to do make one other comparison to Peyton Manning, and that is that I believe that if Carson Palmer would have played a game the way that Peyton Manning played the game. And, and Peyton Manning took what they gave him. He he didn't try to force the ball at all. I think he took very few sacks that that he could you know alleviate. Uh, you know he, when he got out of the pocket to throw the ball away, he he was able to throw it away. He didn't make any any passes that could have ended up being interceptions. You know and and again you know at the end of the game there when Tom was trying to get two points. He was scrambling out of the pocket, and he tried to throw it across field, and that ended up being an interception. Now, one thing about a, a quarterback, a mobile quarterback that is accustomed to, you know, delivering the ball on the move, they are comfortable in doing that. That that Tom Brady pass kind of remi- reminds me uh, of a pass that Brett Favre made in the Super Bowl, I think it was, a couple years ago when he was in there, you know, and, and threw it on, on the run and threw it backside and sh- the ball got intercepted. But I'm going to agree with you about mobile quarterbacks. You know, some of the most exciting football that ever, you know, took place in the history of fo- pro football and college football has been, you know, d- you know, something that was played out by a mobile quarterback. I agree with you. I agree with you. And the thing about mobile quarterbacks, they really make the game kind of fun, too, when they start running around and, and making the way, you know, getting out of a sack and, and, you know, escaping and then delivering a great pass. That, that's great football. That, that's great football. And, and I like the guys that when they are move, on the move, they're on the move, but they're also thinking about delivering the pass. They're not just scrambling to run. And I want to take time out to give a shout-out to one of the best one of them that I've, I've ever seen in my life happen to be a teammate with Randall Cunningham. You know, Randall, you know, was just – Randall Cunningham was so good at doing it, but you never saw it because a scrambling quarterback a lot of times in practice, when he would – Randall would run around in practice or when somebody, would, you know, when he was going to get sacked, he would run, but he would just run with the ball. He didn't throw it in practice. But in the games, when he scrambled or when the you know pressure was on him, he was then escaping and extending the play, looking downfield to his receivers. So I'm, I'm going to agree with you. The, the threat, and if you look at what's happening today, they talked about on the Big Boy Show today, you know, there's only a couple of those typical prototype, you know, NFL quarterbacks that are left. 
You know, the other guys that are winning games, they're on the move and they're making things happen. And a lot of it is because they're coming up through college and they're doing it that way. Uh, but a lot of it has to do with the fact that those defensive ends, those down linemen, they certainly are as fast as what the old fullback used to be. And some of them are as fast as, as the running backs and the quarterbacks. So you, you can't just keep that guy back there that can't move and just sit him there because he is going to be a target that's going to get hurt. That's the, that's the reason why I do not believe, and I think that rule about you can't you know throw the ball away when you're in the pocket, that's crazy. That's why guys get hit so much because they can't throw the ball away. I, I think that's crazy. I think you should be able to throw it away to stop you from getting hurt. It doesn't help your team if you throw the ball away, but it certainly is not a good thing to have to hold on to that ball and take a shot when if you throw it away, guy can't hit you. So... But anyway, Chef Julian, uh, we got some uh, Hall of Famers that are going to be uh, uh, considered here. Uh, real quickly, uh, who are you looking forward to? Who you think is going to make it and uh, looking forward to seeing there in your Hall of Fame city of Canton, Ohio? Well, there's two that I uh, that we've talked about already uh, off the air, but uh, I'm going to say them again. Uh, Brett Favre and Terrell Owens, they're uh, two of the final 15 uh, for those eight or nine slots of uh, Hall of Famers that are going to be picked. And uh, I'm looking forward to those two being named to that draft class. I definitely think they're going to be named first ballot, no doubt. Um, and I just think that uh, that, uh, that it's going to be one fun Hall of Fame weekend. So if you're ever in uh, the, Kent, the Northeast Ohio area and uh, around the uh, end of July or the beginning week of uh, August, inside those two weeks, uh, come on down to Canton, Ohio, because uh, it's going to be a fun show. Well, I'll tell you what, Chef Julian, I'm going to see what I can do this year that we do the show live this year from Canton, Ohio at the Hall of Fame induction. And those two guys, yeah, I think I'm going to bet my money on those two. I think they're going to make it. But I'll tell you what, we're going to, who's going to make it in terms of winning the Super Bowl? We're going to talk about that next week. Not going to put Chef Julian on the spot this time, but certainly he will, he will be ready next week to give his prediction. Well, it's that time, so I thank you all for listening to the show. You've been listening to Rail of Sports on the Voice America Network. And I'm in Phoenix, living like it matters. And I'll see you next time, which will be the best time. Thank you for spending this hour with Ray Ellis Sports. We hope that you've enjoyed today's conversation. For more information and to write Ray, visit RayEllisSports.com. That's RayEllisSports.com. Be sure to join us again next Tuesday at 1 p.m. Pacific Time, 4 p.m. Eastern, right here on the Voice America Sports Channel. Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the Voice America Sports Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericasports.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management.